if you will, to stand with me as we read this together. I want you to hear this story completely, and then we're going to go back and take it apart and see if we can apply it to our lives today. Being in verse 23, on the Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to make their way, picking some heads of grain or corn, depending on the translation you are carrying. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? He said to them, Have you never read what David and those who were with him did when he was in need and hungry? How he entered in the house of God in the time of Abiathar? the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest, and also gave some to his companions. Then he told them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Father, we thank you for your word. God, pray that you will speak to our hearts today. Uh, God, use me uh, to speak to your people. Uh, God, that your word will be proclaimed in a way that honors you and, and accomplishes your purpose. And we'll praise you for it all. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. As we uh, look at this passage, uh, one thing I think is important to note uh, as we come through this is most likely uh, this was not an immediate uh, event right after uh, what we had just read uh, as the disciples uh, had been and Jesus had been eating uh, with the Pharisees and scribes and the, uh, or excuse me, with the tax collectors and the Pharisees and the scribes challenged them on that. Uh, and then we see the word and here, uh, it seems like that uh, they got up from the table and went uh, to the cornfield. Well, that, if you think about it, it really wouldn't make uh, too much sense for that to be an immediate event because they just finished eating. Now they're walking through a cornfield, a grain field, and start eating again. So there's obviously some time has transpired. Uh, Mark, I think, is just giving us two stories that, uh, that are, uh, are similar in theme and also show how here we are only uh, in the second chapter of the book of Mark, early in the ministry of Jesus, and we already see uh, how tense things are uh, between Jesus and the religious establishment. They're already uh, fit to be tied uh, over the things he is doing, the things he is teaching. And so uh, Mark is, uh, again, just really uh, showing us how quickly uh, it, uh, it, it amped up between uh, Jesus and the religious uh, establishment. One of the things that uh, we often think about uh, when, we, uh, when we look at uh, the life of Christ is we think, uh, wow, only three, his ministry was only three short years. Uh, what Mark really shows to us is if they would have had their way and could have figured out a way to do it, it would have been three short months. Uh, might have only been three weeks. Uh, they were immediately uh, fed up with Jesus. And one of the big issues uh, that they always had uh, over and over repeatedly uh, with Jesus was how Jesus dealt with the Sabbath. Uh, how he behaved, the things he did, uh, healing on the Sabbath, those kind of things. They really 
the religious establishment really uh, took issue uh, with Jesus and his, uh, I was going to say honoring the Sabbath, but in their mind, their lack of his honoring uh, the Sabbath. And so uh, we just have here uh, another uh, issue uh, in that same uh, same vein of things of, uh, of them taking issue with him, uh, his disciples, not actually him in this case, uh, but his disciples uh, as they were traveling, uh, walking through, uh, again, your Bible, depending on the translation you carry, uh, may say grain field, may say cornfield. Uh, the Greek word that is used there uh, could apply either way, uh, most likely, uh, again, <coughs> It seems more likely uh, that it was a grain field. And what had happened here, uh, what we have uh, in uh, the, what I'm calling the Sabbath complaint, uh, when we read notices as they were going through a, a grain field or again a, a cornfield, uh, the disciples began to uh, pluck ears of grain or, or, or corn and, and eat uh, that, uh, that grain, uh, that corn. What uh, was one of the uh, what, what they would do, uh, and I suppose maybe even uh, maybe even farmers today uh, do it. I, I don't know, uh, but they would take as uh, a grain of corn, a grain uh, stalk of grain, and they would take and they would break off the very top of it. Now, uh, when uh, even grass will do it, when, when it gets uh, exceptionally tall, it will kind of stalk out and, and bloom out and there'll be a, a kind of a feathery bloom on top of the grass. Well, they would take that and they would break off that top piece and, and take it and rub it in their hands to break it apart and then they would hold it up and, and if the wind wasn't blowing, they would blow across it to blow off that, that, that feathery part. Uh, I'm sure there's a, uh, an agricultural name for, uh, for whatever that is, but that feathery, fluffy, flyy part, uh, flyy part, that's the technological name. Uh, the flyy part, uh, you don't believe to go to state, NC State of Agricultural School and ask them. Okay, yeah, that's exactly right, the flyy part. Uh, you know, the part that aggravates allergies. How that? That part of it, yeah. And they would, either the wind or they would blow that part away, and then the, the seeds of grain that uh, were, were left, again, I've never done this, but I picture this maybe something like uh, shelling a sunflower seed, and, and left the little, the little grains in their hand, and they would eat the grain. And uh, that was a, 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 a common occurrence. And, it may still be. I don't know. Don't want to know, to be honest with you. Uh, I have no intention of walking through the grain field eating grass. I'm, I'm good. Uh, you know, I think I can make it to the other side of the grain field or the McDonald's bench. Uh, I'm good. Uh, but that was their practice. And, and the disciples uh, were, uh, that's what they were doing. Now, the problem with that was that the Pharisees guarded the Sabbath more than they guarded their mothers. I mean, they were, uh, were, were just very strict uh, over the practice and the things that uh, went on during, uh, during the Sabbath. Now, God had given Israel the Sabbath uh, 
uh, as they had come out of Egypt uh, during the Exodus. He gave it to them uh, as a day of rest. You will remember uh, that on, uh, on, the, on the final day before the Sabbath, they were to gather extra manna uh, so they would have manna to eat uh, on the Sabbath. And the other day, they were only to gather a day's worth, but uh, they were to gather enough to make them through the Sabbath so they wouldn't have to gather uh, extra manna. Well, the Pharisees had taken uh, that prohibition against gathering manna uh, to new heights. They had, uh, they had just went above and beyond uh, in their uh, addition uh, of rules for the Sabbath. Uh, another interesting thing about the Sabbath uh, it is there's no indication God ever gave the Sabbath to any other nation. The rest of them could work seven days. But for his people, thank God, he said they had a day of rest. And so uh, that was their day. And again, Jesus was one uh, who openly uh, violated many, uh, if probably not all, uh, of their rules that they had included uh, against uh, the Sabbath. And by doing that, that was... That, that was like declaring war uh, against the, the, the Pharisees and I, I, I'm not even sure uh, of a way to, 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 to compare uh, something that would happen in the church today. Uh, maybe if you were to come in uh, to the typical Baptist Christian church and say Jesus wasn't virgin born, uh, Jesus didn't really uh, rise from the dead, I mean, something of that nature would be how seriously the Pharisees took violating the Sabbath. I mean, this was just, uh, I mean, this was a, a horrible uh, offense in, your, in, in their eyes. If you remember, uh, one of the first things he did, uh, we talked about this uh, a couple of years ago when we were preaching through John, uh, was one of the first things he did uh, in John chapter 5 was he healed a crippled man on the Sabbath. And you remember, they got all been out of shape about that. Here we got a man who, who's been crippled, who can walk now, but their only concern was that Jesus had violated uh, the Sabbath. Again, uh, the Jewish tradition had, uh, just again to tell you how far uh, they had taken this, they had added 39, they had made 39 separate acts that they considered to be violating the Sabbath. Now, up that, in that 39 acts, there were a lot of subpoints. If you remember your outlining skills from high school ages, you had major points and subpoints and sub subpoints. The 39 was just the 39 big categories. Under those 39 big categories, they had hundreds of things that were outlawed uh, on the Sabbath. I mean, they went uh, into great detail, even to the point uh, of telling the Jews uh, they had a rule on how far they could travel uh, on the Sabbath, which uh, in Jewish measure, converted to English measure, amounted to uh, about 3,000 feet. Uh, was about how far they could walk uh, on a Sabbath. Now, that being said, most of you can't go home uh, because of how far it is to your car. You know, you've walked in, now you can't make it back because you'd be over the 3,000 feet. I mean, that's just uh, how, how strict 
they were. What I'm trying to get across to you this morning is that the Pharisees had made the Sabbath day just this burden where, where most of us today look forward to Sunday. It's the day we get to come to God's house and worship and see our friends and family and, and, and brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and most of us uh, generally kind of kick back and take Sunday uh, easy. Maybe a time to get together with family. Uh, you know, those, we, we kind of look forward to Sunday. You know, there was a, a song, uh, you know, when I was in high school, there was an old rock song called Working for the Weekend. You know, that's what most of us do. You know, we're, you know, we put up with Monday through Friday to get to the weekend. You know, uh, that's just, but Sunday is it. I'm certain that in many cases the Jews were like, oh, no, it's the Sabbath. You know, it was such a, uh, a burden to them. And so as they walked along, they had this, uh, again, they had these, all these rules uh, that they had to follow. Uh, and and uh, they were traveling along, and, and all around them, uh, again, were those great fields of, uh, of corn, and his disciples were following along, and, and Jesus is there. And again, now, the law allowed for a person who was traveling to, to do that. They were allowed to, uh, to, to get something, you know, to, to break off something and get something to eat if they were traveling and they were hungry. Furthermore, let's remember the Lord of the harvest, one of his names, the Lord of the harvest was with them. And so if the Lord of the harvest doesn't have a problem with them harvesting a huge Stalks of grain because they are hungry, I'm thinking it's probably okay. Yeah. I think it's probably alright. And, and so, uh, again, he was the one who had commanded the sun to shine. He was the one who had commanded the rain to fall. He was the one who had commanded the grain to grow. And I think if it's okay with him, if the disciples take a bite, it's all right. But it was not all right with the Pharisees. As they break this off, and the Pharisees today, and the Pharisees then, just lose their minds. Now, is there any way we can compare what was going on in that grain field uh, to what is going on uh, today? Many still there. We don't, we don't call them Pharisees. But we still have a, a lot of folks who are more worried about the rules and checking off all the boxes than the relationship. What, what we have to do, what the Pharisees failed to do, failed to understand, was going back. The Sabbath was given to the Jews to bless them. It was given to them to be a blessing. They had taken what was what was given to be a blessing and turned it into this unbearable burden. We have to be extremely careful, I think, with the Word of God that we don't do the same thing today. You ever had anybody just beat you up with the Bible? Just just beat you up with a passage of Scripture? You know, you, know, you do that. You know, you've seen them. You know what I'm talking about. You know, some of them do it standing in the pulpit. Some of them do it standing in the parking lot. Nonetheless, anybody in here ever had somebody crawl up on them because uh, of some self-interpreted passage of Scripture about, let's see, 
I'm just going to plow up the whole field while I'm in with Jesus and the disciples. I don't know. Lengthen your dress. You got on pants instead of a dress. Makeup. You got a beard. Your hair's too long. I have fingers on that hand. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? We take all those things and we use them and, and, and we beat people up with them. question. Is that really the reason God gives us instructions and rules? Do you think, do you think Jesus would have really walked up to somebody and said, you know pretty much make it. That's all free, folks. I'm just, you know, I'm going to charge you the extra this week. But we're, we're fasting. We still have some of that same issue in us today. And, and the rules uh, that God gave for the Sabbath were meant to be good and beneficial. And yet the Pharisees had taken them and twisted them around. Listen, I'm not saying we don't apply. Please understand me. I'm not saying we don't follow the Word of God. I'm saying we're careful in how we apply it and how we use it, especially, especially with unbelievers. There's, you know, the, the, really the only passage of Scripture, for the most part, that an unbeliever needs to hear from you is that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. They really don't need to hear from you anything about dress code and behavior because it's, it, it's, it's not, they don't care. Doesn't matter to them. If you're going to go to quote, quote scripture, in particular to a non-believer, tell them about how Jesus died for them. Tell them about how Jesus can set them free. Tell them about how the blood will cleanse them from their unrighteousness. Tell them about how they can be forgiven. Tell them about how they can have heaven as their eternal promise. Tell them those things. Because I promise you, if you start with telling a man his hair is too long, he probably isn't going to hear much of what you have to say about him. If you start by telling a woman she ought not be in pants or her dress is too short, she's probably not going to hear too much of what you've got to say about forgiveness or mercy or grace. Because you haven't exhibited it. wasn't anywhere near where I planned on going with this message. But there we go. We can't be pharisaical in our society. We still do the same thing. You see the complaint. Let's look at the scripture's correction. Jesus says to them, and, and, and I may be adding some, you know, I don't know how many y'all realize this in, in, in 28 years now. My spiritual gift is sarcasm. Now, some of y'all have mercy and all those things. I, I was giving sarcasm. Um, I can I can hear a, a little bit of sarcasm in Jesus' voice. <laughs> Never heard what David did. Yeah. I don't know that Jesus said it that way, but that's my interpretation. You read it how you want. Like Never heard what David did. What Jesus is referring to, and the Pharisees were experts in the law. They could practically quote to you the Old Testament word for word. They knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. When David was fleeing 
when he was on the run and he had a group of men who were following him, they were hungry. They didn't have anything to eat. So they went in, as, as this passage says, they go into the temple, they go into the house of God, and there in the house of God was a table that had what was called the showbread, or the bread of the presence. No one was supposed to eat that bread except the priest. David goes into the temple, and he looks around, and I don't see no hungry priest. But I see some hungry soldiers. And he grabs the bread and they eat the showbread. So, when the Pharisees begin to complain about the hungry disciples breaking off a stalk of bread, let's do a little logical thinking. I'm not asking you to be God, but I am asking you to judge. Don't tell anybody. I'm asking you to judge for a minute. Which, if you were judging, is worse? Breaking off a stalk of grain on the Sabbath or going into the temple and stealing and eating the priest's lunch? Now, the whole other field of grain, I got a stalk. Y'all didn't have the rest of it. There wasn't no more showbread. Which is worse? That's pretty obvious, right? Which is worse? Furthermore, there is an explicit commandment in Scripture about the showbread. It was specifically laid out for the priest. Have you never read? And again, First Samuel, you go back and read the story. David did. David did. David went in. Again, he comes. Looking for food, there's no food, and so he takes the showbread. Now, I want you to look, uh, I don't know if it'll come up on the screen or not, but, or, or you can look there in your Bible in 1 Kings, what it says. Nevertheless, for David's sake, did the Lord his God give him a, a lamp in Jerusalem. Let me put on my glasses, I about read that and gave him a lump in Jerusalem. To set up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem. Look at this line. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded all the days of his life, save only the matter with Uriah. First King says. The only thing God has to hold against David was the issue with Bathsheba and Uriah. Go back and read it if you want to. 1 Kings chapter 13. And I, you won't find when it was listing David's mistakes, David ate the showbread of the priest. Now, either the Bible is wrong in 1 Kings. Here's your two choices. Either the Bible is wrong in 1 Kings, that David did nothing wrong in the sight of God except the matter of Bathsheba and Uriah, or 
When David took the showbread and ate it and fed his soldiers, God approved it. Those are your only two choices. You can't explain it any other way. And the Pharisees knew that story backwards and forwards. They knew the passage in 1 Kings. I'll guarantee you when it comes to a passage that talks about King David, the Pharisees knew it. David was their hero. The only person they probably knew more about was Abraham. And they knew that the Bible said that, Abraham, that David did no wrong except Bathsheba, that therefore the issue of him taking the showbread was cool. So, if David can take the showbread from the priest and feed his servants, can the Lord of the harvest not give a little bit of grain on the Sabbath to his servants? I find it interesting that Mark does not record an answer from the Pharisees. I believe the proper phrase right there is cat got your tongue? They had no answer for that. Because, very simply, they weren't using the law against Jesus and his disciples. They were using their own preconceived notions and traditions and what they wanted for their purposes. They weren't quoting law. They were quoting and using their own traditions. And what Jesus did, again, was took their own words and took them and tangled them up and wrapped them up in their own words to where they stood there going, because they had no answer. When they had no answer, then we see the Savior's comments. Jesus in the courtroom, this would be called the closing remarks. In our hip-hop culture of today, it would be called the drop-the-mic moment. Jesus drops the mic and walks off the stage when he says, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man made for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath, he said. It was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He said, my father planned for the Sabbath to be a blessing on man, not a curse. He planned for him to be able to enjoy it. One day in seven was to be a holiday, was to be a day of rest, was to be a day of worship. So that the body could have rest. So that the soul could find meeting time with God. Listen, it went back before even the Mosaic Law that these people were trying to quote. It went back some 2,500 years. That God set this side of day and said, here it is. Just for you. And Jesus says, 
I am the Lord of that day. The Pharisees, I told you, had taken and made 39 categories of things that were wrong. They were violation of the law on the Sabbath. Now, you cannot argue, not in clear, clean conscience, that the Bible doesn't say honor the Sabbath. Not what I'm doing. Not at all. Not what Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't disputing that. But here's the funny thing. The Pharisees, see if I can make this make sense, what, what the point is of this passage, I believe. The Pharisees had taken what God had given and tried to make it look very holy. You hear my, my words, chosen carefully. Tried to make it look very holy. You weren't allowed to do anything that had been done. Here was the basis of their policy. You weren't allowed to do anything that had been done during the building of the temple on the Sabbath. You couldn't light a fire. You couldn't put a fire out. Unless that fire endangered life or property. So there were exceptions, even to their rules. You couldn't carry anything in your arms. I don't know how you carry it. Couldn't carry anything in your arms. You couldn't drive a wagon. You couldn't tear anything. Let me give you real quick. I wasn't going to do this. I'm going to give you real quick the 39 categories. And again, they broke down into a lot of subcategories. You couldn't carry anything. You couldn't burn anything. You couldn't extinguish any fire. You couldn't finish anything. You couldn't write anything. You couldn't write on the Sabbath. You couldn't erase anything on the Sabbath. You couldn't cook on the Sabbath. You couldn't wash on the Sabbath. You couldn't sew on the Sabbath. Again, you couldn't tear. This includes, tearing includes separating two pieces of glue paper. That constitutes tearing, according to the Pharisees. You couldn't not anything. Couldn't tie a knot. I guess they all wore loafers. You couldn't tie a knot. No, excuse me. You could tie a bow. I'm sorry. That was, that was an exception. You could tie a bow. But you couldn't tie a knot. You could, uh, couldn't, again, you could tie your shoe, but you couldn't tie any other knot. Once you got that knot tied, you couldn't untie it. If you tied the knot yesterday, and now it's the Sabbath, you got one to tie it. These were their rules. You couldn't shape anything. Couldn't take clay. Couldn't take couldn't take clay to couldn't take a knife and will. Couldn't shape anything. You definitely couldn't plow. You couldn't plant. You couldn't reap, which is what they were getting Jesus for and his disciples either. You couldn't harvest. You couldn't thresh. You couldn't winnow. You could not select. 
This is the Jews. No selection on the Sabbath. What that meant, give you an example of selection. If you have a bowl of, say, strawberries, you could not pick out the bad strawberries before you ate the good strawberries. But you could eat the good strawberries and leave the bad strawberries in the bowl. These were their rules. You couldn't sift, you couldn't grind, you couldn't knead, kneading, there were no biscuits on the Sabbath. Couldn't, couldn't comb. Not probably if you watch. No combing. No combing. No spinning. No dining. Not like dining, but no dining cloth. You could die on the Sabbath if you wanted to. No chain stitching. Chain stitching is like no crochet, no no cross stitch. Those kinds where the, where the stitches are, are are hooked together. No warping, no weaving, no unraveling. If you had a string on your shirt and you pulled it, and I guess you did unraveling, you were into no building, no demolishing. No trapping, no shearing, no slaughtering, no skinning, no tanning, no smoothing. Couldn't smooth something out. Couldn't smooth it out. No marking. I already told you you can't write, but in case you tried to skate around it, you couldn't mark. You're probably thinking, it would be impossible to keep the Sabbath with all those rules. Bingo. Bingo. You got it. But what if you did? What if some way, somehow, you were able to keep every, and again, that's the 39 broad categories. If you've got a couple hours, I'll share with you how much those 39 categories, what all they include. It's unbelievable. If Somewhere, somehow, a person was able to keep every bit of everyone. Were they holy? Were they holy? Were they right with God if they kept everything on the Pharisees' list? Were they right with God? No. They were right with the Pharisees. But they were not right with God. It didn't make them holy. Made them Pharisees superstars. Now, to be fair, the Pharisees did a pretty good job of keeping all those things. Were they holy? You know about the Pharisees, right? Jump over to the end of Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and read about the Pharisees and Jesus in a little place called Golgotha. You tell me how holy the Pharisees were. Now, they didn't mow their yard on the Sabbath. They didn't comb their hair on the Sabbath. They didn't write their name on the Sabbath. They didn't make biscuits on the Sabbath. But wasn't it holy? 
think so. Don't think so. The Pharisees had taken holiness and boiled it down. God would call it boil it down as big as the list was. The Pharisees had taken holiness and made it into this great big checklist. And if you do all these things, these things that other people could see, then you were holy. Something that you could do on your own. Now, if I made up my mind, I could make it through a Sunday without writing anything. I just wouldn't ask y'all to pray request. Ain't you know? That's the only thing I write on Sunday. Yeah. I'll tie my shoes most of the time. I tie them a pair of bad ties. But you tie your shoes, I'll be all right there. Yeah. And I still not do no gardening on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, or Saturday. Or Sunday. Yeah. I could probably check off quite a few of those things. But every one of them, I would do through my own effort and my own strength. And people, many, if not most, today, are still trying to please God in the exact same way. Go out and ask people if they're going to heaven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember the church. Don't ask I go to church, and I want to ask Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's what matters. The Bible says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation is the free gift of God. And whatever it is, this morning, that you're trying to do to get to heaven. Whatever it is you're trying to do to please God, most likely is going to be an abject failure. There is but one way to the Father, the Bible says. Now, Hear me. Again, don't take what I say and go completely to the other extreme. I'm not telling you we ought not to live good lives. We ought not to do good. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you those things are not what you do to become holy. Those things are what you do because you're holy. That was the mistake the Pharisees made. They thought we'll be more right with God. God will love us more. God will be more pleased with us. We'll be more holy if we can do all these things. No. Because I have a relationship with God, because He saved me, because His Son died for me, now I want to do those things. I want to live holy. I don't try to live holy to impress him. I live holy, try to live holy, excuse me, be better way to say it, because he saved me. 
If you're trying to please God by some made-up checklist of I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, you're going to be miserable for one thing. Because that list, when you do those 39 things, you'll think of number 40, and 41, and 42, and 43, and the list will keep going. one way to please God through Jesus Christ and then we become holy. Then we become holy. One day and this is not biblical, this is me imagining the same. One day we're going to stand before God. We're going to stand at the gate as we are to say. Again, that's not scriptural at all, but I'm just giving you an analogy here. And should they ask you, why should we let you into heaven? Well, I didn't need any dough on Sunday. I didn't write on Sunday. I didn't arose on Sunday. I laid my cross stitch down on Sunday. I didn't mow my yard on Sunday. I didn't wash my car on Sunday. When you say it out loud, doesn't that sound foolish? The only correct answer when you stand there is to be able to say, because Jesus Christ saved my soul, washed me from all my unrighteousness, and He said I could come. And they'll swing open the gates and say, Welcome. That's the only correct answer. I want to ask you about your heads this morning. Some of you this morning, if you're honest, you're acting a little bit like the Pharisees. You're trying to check off a list. You're trying to make other people check off a list. That's even worse. God, I want to be holy. But I want to be holy because of what you've done in my life. Not because I think it's some checklist that I've got to check off. I want to live for you. I want to serve you. I don't know you as my Savior. I've been trying to get into heaven. I quit smoking. I quit drinking. I started giving to the church. I started going to church. I started reading my Bible. Great. All those things are wonderful. Keep them up. Keep it up. But have you asked Christ in your heart? Do you know Him as your Savior? Joining us online, it's not enough. It's only one way of salvation through Jesus Christ. 
If you don't know Him as your Savior, would you come this morning? Let me show you from God's Word how you can be saved. It's the only way you can be saved. Father, we thank you for your Word this morning. God, we know that the culture we live in, the world we live in, has perverted and twisted your word into something that never meant, never said. God, there's nothing we can do, no code we can keep, no creed we can follow that will earn us a place in heaven. Only through a relationship with your son. Only through accepting him as our son. God, if there's one here today that doesn't know Christ, God, one joining us online, I pray that you stir their heart. And then see their need. And see the only answer is Jesus. God, for Christians, you've convicted them. Sometimes we act like Pharisees. God, help us to learn to show mercy and grace, compassion. Teach us if we're going to quote scripture to somebody. Let it be that God loves us. That you sent your son to die. God, we give you honor for what you do here today. Which in Jesus' name I pray.